everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delara. Got a busy week here, a um, lot of injury news, and I'm going to try to break some of that down for you, especially the injury to LeBron James. Obviously, the injury to LaMelo Ball is significant, should be out for the rest of the season, but the Hornets really were not doing much of anything anyway. So I want to start this off with a shout out to the guys at Mojo. Look, they've added a couple new things. We have some liquid props. You can actually do some options trading now, which is pretty cool. So it's a little bit more volatile uh, if you want to try to get up on that. I know one of our good buddies, Dominic DeLeo, he bought some Anthony Richardson stock. Uh, and Anthony Richardson just keeps rising up the draft board. Dom is plus like 700%. Uh, he used my promo code Delara125125 to get a $125 deposit bonus with a $25 deposit. So deposit $25, use my code Delara, D-E-L-L-E-R-A-125, and get a $125 bonus. It's awesome. It's right about to be draft time. If you like a quarterback that you like in the NFL, or you know it's about to be playoff time in the NBA, so like if you like some of these NBA guys that you think are going to go off during the playoffs and really increase their value. Now's the time to buy. Now's the time to get in. There's a link in my bio. That's my affiliate link. So that helps me as well. But my promo code is the main thing. And that's for Mojo. And that's Delara125. So I want to talk about this injury to LeBron James. The player that you would obviously expect to step in and step up is Anthony Davis. And he has done so so far throughout the season. On the season, he's averaging 26.2 points without LeBron James, but his rebounding has really been the thing that's been incredible. And, you know, there's one game against Utah where he didn't fare so well, so that's kind of pulling this down, but his line, it's been set at 12 and a half. It was set at 12 and a half. I'm recording this right now during the Lakers and Grizzlies game. Um, it was set at 12 and a half. He's actually exceeded that line in eight straight games with 14 plus in eight of them and 16 plus in seven straight games. He had five like right away early in the first quarter. Um, and he's actually he's at six right now still with only four minutes left in the first quarter. So that's going to be a spot that you're going to be looking to bet, especially as you know, they're going to be they're on the front end of a back to back last night. Uh, and they are going to be playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is a game the Lakers absolutely have to have. They will not be resting Anthony Davis. He's going to get some so many boards there. And the Thunder, it looks like they might be tanking. Got to see who is going to be in, who's going to be out. Have to kind of gauge that. Shea has kind of been in and out with what may be a phantom injury right now, but they're kind of trending down in the standings. So I'm curious to see that. Additionally, they still the Lakers aren't totally dead here based on the fact that they really just have LeBron's going to be out for the next two weeks or so. Then they said they're going to relook at it and figure out where they are in the standings. So they kind of just need to they need to tread water at a minimum, but they do need to pick up a game or two, especially against some of their upcoming opponents. Um, I fully expect Anthony Davis to be a major part of this. And, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's been very, very good this season. Some other guys that I'm looking towards is, you know, D'Angelo Russell's obviously out um, and he looks like he's not going to play tonight. He's listed as doubtful for tonight's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. That should open up plenty of room for not only Malik Beasley, but also for Dennis Schroeder. When LeBron James has not played this season, Schroeder's actually been very, very good. Um, and he he's actually scored 26 points, 25 points. 
Uh, he, you know, he he's put up a ton of points, and we're seeing his point prop around 14 and a half. Curious to see where that goes. Um, I bet it last night. Uh, I'm not really sure what the results are right now, but we'll we'll have to see. The one concern that I did have for Anthony Davis's rebounds, and it's part of why I didn't ladder as high up as I would have wanted to, is that Jared Vanderbilt is just a hustle machine and he's playing some pretty good minutes with the, with the Lakers. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an interesting scenario for Vanderbilt here. Um, and over the past couple of games though, with the Lakers, he's got nine and 17 against golden state and Dallas. Not sure what he's going to have uh, last night against Memphis, but that's part of why I was like, yeah, maybe I want to, maybe I want to pull off a little bit, with uh with this spot with even without LeBron James. I do think that this Lakers team has a little bit of legs when we look at the standings here. The West is just so locked in and locked together that there's a lot of opportunity for teams to really move around here. The Lakers 32 losses. That's still only 3 games behind the Phoenix Suns for the 4 seed. So that's saying something. Obviously we're and we're going to get into this, but Kevin Durant is returning tonight, and that is a key, key thing. Um, and a, and a matchup, and obviously a different scenario for Phoenix that I really want to talk about. Um, and we can dive into that in a bit. But the Western Conference is very, very tight. If anything, though, in my opinion, this injury for the Lakers with LeBron, it's kind of back. I think it's going to it might backdoor the the Pelicans in a little bit and it might be saving the Jazz. So we'll have to see what exactly Utah decides to do over the next couple of weeks. But I think that Laurie seems to be picking up a little bit of steam for most improved, um, especially with Shea having this phantom injury or whatever he's dealing with. Um we'll see how Utah decides to stick around and, you know, the Warriors might be getting a little bit bailed out too here, especially considering the fact that Steph Curry still has, is not even really slated for any type of return at this point in time. Now I want to turn our attention to the big news of the day. And that news is Kevin Durant's debut with the Phoenix Suns and how I think we need to bet this. I wrote about this at length for Action Network, and I put this in my player props forecast that comes out every single Monday. Um, we only got a couple weeks left, but it's been very, very successful. Look, obviously, the, the fit with Kevin Durant on the Phoenix Suns is fascinating. And I think it's particularly interesting because he's the best scoring threat on the Suns as soon as he hits the floor. There is no denying that he was the best player on the team. I think you can argue in Golden State, even over Curry. Um, and he's definitely the best player on the floor now in this game in, by joining the Phoenix Suns. Look, I think Devin Booker is a great player. I think that Booker, in order to win a title, you need Booker to be a number two option and he becomes one of the best number two options in the league. And that's just what I think for Phoenix is what they needed. However, I, I I honestly think that they should have traded Booker for Kevin Durant and kept Bridges. I think that would have made this team a little bit more interesting. I think it would have given them a little bit more depth. I think it would have helped their defense a bit. However, this offense is going to be incredible. I don't care what anybody says. I understand that they are going to be susceptible to some three-point variants if a, if a team gets hot against them. 
I don't know how they're going to be able to keep up just because they don't have that type of shooting, especially from the perimeter right now. Um, however, I think that the fit between Booker and Durant will be fine. Uh, look, Kyrie's better, but they're very similar in how they're used, and they're similar in the way that they really are second to Durant. So, look, Booker's lines recently were set at 27.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, and then like 4.5, 5.5 assists plus money, and 2.5 threes. For tonight's game, he is set just a touch lower on all of these. So when we look at his points, his points for this game are set at 24.5. His rebounds are set at 4.5, and his assists are set at 5.5 at plus 120. And his threes move down to over 1.5, but that's at minus 190. Um, Look, they haven't really given us an idea of how many minutes Durant's going to play. I wouldn't be super surprised to see Durant play, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, right? That seems to be where they're they're putting people in here. I think you cap Durant at 25. When Kevin Durant has played fewer than 30 minutes, it's only been a couple of games, really, uh, and they're all at 29, 29, 28, He's scored 23, 23, and 25 points. Durant on the season is averaging 0.825 points per minute. I think those types of stats are a little interesting because I don't think you can directly apply it to what I anticipate his minutes to be in this spot. And the reason I say that is because the offense is they're going to want to get him the ball. They're going to want him to get going. It's not going to be as natural getting him the ball, right? So let's say I project him around 25 minutes at the, at the high end. That would be 20.625 points for Durant. And that's through his standard play in the offense, right? If he plays 20 minutes, this is only 16.5. I think you can change it for some intensity or stuff. If we see a line, I don't know, 23, 24, I think you have to consider an under. I think you just have to. It's it's just that when we look at what Durant's doing, we're not necessarily seeing that type of volume because he kind of lets the game come to him a lot of times. And I think that the Suns are going to want to try to get him into the offense. So I'm a little concerned, but that's about where I think this line may be. We've also seen this with Durant, interestingly enough. Um, He really just has not played a lot of games with 25 minutes or less, right? Um, I'm looking at these games, and I pulled it up on StatMuse, and if anybody wants to query this themselves, I queried this in a way of Kevin Durant game log playing 25 minutes or fewer career. I'm looking at about 25 games right now, and he's only gone over 20 points in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of them. There, He's only gone over 23 points once in 19 minutes in 2014, scored 30 points against the Warriors. This is just like we're looking, we're obviously going back pretty far because it's a little bit of a tougher 
I don't know, it's a little bit of a tougher scenario to look at because he just doesn't play this few minutes. But it's it's something that's notable. So that's what I'm saying. Like if we see a line that's around like, like I said, like 20, 22, 23, 24, you have to consider an under for Kevin Durant. And I know it's scary, but that's just kind of the way you need to do it. On the flip side, though, I really think that he's going to have a great two-man game with Devin Booker. And I think that it's going to be very difficult for opponents to stop that type of attack because Booker is a little bit bigger, uh, you know, than I think than Kyrie anyway. He play, seems to play a little bit bigger. Um, I think that this, they should be able to get a lot of pick and roll. I think they're going to be able to force defenses to make very quick decisions on how to cover them. And I think that there might be a little bit of a spike in his Booker's assist. So I want to see where these other books open at. I know that DraftKings has the five and a half assists of plus money. I think we get a four and a half. That's definitely something that I would like to play. Um, But I do want to make sure that I'm getting the best line for everybody out there. Um, It's, I think that there's going to be a great opportunity for them to play off of each other. And if we look at this, Booker's got eight, eight, and nine assists over his last couple games. So I think that's why we're seeing this five and a half. So that's the only that's the only concern there. I would pr- obviously prefer a four and a half. Chris Paul, though, is the difference maker, in my opinion, in why I think this should work offensively even better than it did in Brooklyn. Um, Chris Paul obviously is a master facilitator. We know this, but he's kind of lost a little bit of a step. He's a little bit slower. However, his basketball IQ is still premier and he is going to be able to run this offense. I think that he's really going to help get Booker his shots, Aiton to continue to get his shots, which he still doesn't get enough of, and Kevin Durant. So I think that those guys are going to all be able to feed off of book, uh, off of Chris Paul. And I think that's going to be very important for their team's success. On the flip side, though, like if we're looking at the defensive side of the ball, this is now becoming a problem because you don't have Mikel Bridges. You're left with a situation where you really don't have a really plus defender on the team besides really DeAndre Ayton at this point. Um the move to get rid of Bridges was significant. And I understand why you do it because it's Kevin Durant. You do that trade in the vacuum every single time, uh, obviously with other picks and players attached, but you do that trade every single time. I understand. This team's defense lost a ton of versatility, a ton of switchability, and they are going to put a lot more pressure on Chris Paul Devin Booker and those wing defenders for Phoenix. When we look at this, they've actually given up a lot of points to point guards. Drew Holiday, 33 points. Trey Young, 36 points. De'Aaron Fox, 35 points. They're playing the Charlotte Hornets. Obviously, they lost LaMelo Ball. That was a spot that I wanted to target. Dennis Smith Jr. tonight might be a guy that goes off just because those perimeter players are going to struggle with them a little bit. Maybe Terry Rozier has a decent game. Kyrie Irving is another person that I expect to have a great game against this Phoenix team on Sunday, besides the narrative things between him and Durant. Moving though, to the rest of the defense, namely Durant and Aiton, I think will be fine. I think that they have a good amount of versatility due to their length, ability to switch, 
Durant actually has a plus 1.2 defensive EPM, which would immediately be the fourth best mark on the Suns. And I think that they'll be fine. The problem is that they lost a lot of depth. Like they don't have a guy like Sarich. They lost, they don't have Jay Crowder who wasn't playing this year, but they don't have him anymore. They don't have bridges. I'm very curious about this defense and how this defense is actually going to hold up. And I think that they'll still ultimately settle around the four spot four or five seed in the West, just because they're going to be good. You have these guys that are going to be good. They're incredible in clutch time. You're they're incredible. Um, from an efficiency standpoint, especially considering they're shooting mostly twos. But I, I do think that the Suns won't necessarily pull away in the West. I don't think they'll be making a push for the three seed. Or I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think the Kings will ultimately retain that. And I think that they're really just trying to gear up and get into sync for the playoffs. Do I think they'll have a lot of success there? We'll have to just see kind of how this this plays out. I don't really see any value on their number right now in terms of betting futures, though. Another game that I wanted to talk about was the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Miami Heat. And there's a prop that I wanted to talk about, and I had given it out the other day. It hit, um, and we took Joel Embiid under 32 and a half points. Um, and a lot of that was predicated on the fact that he has had struggles realistically in his career against Bam Adebayo. This is, they moved his points prop. The game is on the road now. It's not in Philly. It's in Miami. And they moved his points prop down from 32.5 to 29.5. It's the same cap. Like he still has not gone over. He's only gone over 30 points in two of now 18 games against Bam Adebayo. So Joe, why aren't we just running it back? Well, the reason we're not just running it back is because there's a lot thought process that goes in these lines when they set these lines. And I think that a three-point move on a player prop of a guy of Embiid's caliber is just way too much. That's a essentially, if we're doing rough math, it's about an 11% decrease in a points prop. In my opinion, that's just way 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 too far and Embiid is still averaging about 33 points a game this season so we're looking at him to go under his average yet again and I think that it's like one of those things it's like where look we made money on the fir- we made money on it the one game and then now the cap is similar um but the number is dramatically different and I think that that matters and I think that you have to say like well is this line getting moved down because he went under last game or is it getting moved down because of the way there's like a different sentiment in the books, like the way that they're capping it. Right. So I think it's a little bit of both, but the fact that he went under last game, you're getting another, you're getting another, they move the number down. 30 points is just not crazy for Joel Embiid. So when we're talking about, what the probability of it of, of something happen happening. I don't like that. We're giving up essentially like 11% on a prop because it's two, but it's basically, uh, it's basically two buckets because it's a three point drop and 30 points is such a, like it's such a threshold number, right? It's like, Oh, 30 points. This guy had 30 points. So even though I like the cat similarly to last time, the fact that it's moved three points is enough for me to stay away and maybe keep it in, as a no bet. 
especially on a big slate where I'm not necessarily looking for plays. And like, you don't want to force plays, but there's so many better options out there today, especially considering the line movement for you to take advantage of. That kind of thought process leads me to really my final point that I wanted to make about betting, not only props, but also sides, totals, et cetera. Look, if you miss the good line, it's okay to just say like, I missed it. I'm not going to play this. I'm not going to force it. A lot of people, they ask me, um, Hey, like, is, is it still good here? Is it still good here? You really need to understand that sometimes it's not like, it's just not because it really changes the probability of what's going to happen. So when we look at these events, right. And we look at stats and we look at what the implied odds of certain things mean, let's talk about an American money line. If you get something at plus 100, the implied probability is 50%. It should happen exactly as much as it doesn't happen. What happens, what starts to be the issue, and this happens even with spreads, right? Like if there's a lot of times where like I'm, I'm have, I've had to get off of this debate, right? Where I'll look at something and I'll be like, damn, like it's minus five here and it's plus a hundred, but it's, minus four and a half here, but it's minus 125 or it's minus 115. A lot of times it's not worth getting the quote unquote better number. The better number is actually what the money, like what the price of the prop or the play is, right? So at plus a hundred, I need to be right on the minus five, 50% of the time or slightly more than 50% of the time, obviously to, to make a profit. If it's minus 125, I need to be right more than 55.6% of the time to make a profit. That's a significant swing because even the best bettors are usually only bet like hitting, you know, maybe 55% or so. Like, and that's a that's that's a good better. So most people, if you want to turn a profit, if you're betting strictly minus 110s, which is standard juice you need to be hitting 52.4% of your bets. That's a, Those are big differences between these. So especially with the prop market, I see this more than with the spread market or the total market. Normally, they'll just move off the number, especially basketball. Like There's no key numbers in, really in basketball in terms of points or spreads or totals or anything, right? Like there's, there's sort of like seven and three, those are kind of ones, but like not really because it's like one basket or, you know, you're over two possessions, right? But that's still not really that significant. You're almost always better off taking the better juice number because you just don't have to be right as much. And the margins, right? Like it's one thing if you're betting on, and this is something that I talk about with like hooks, right? So like if you're betting on a prop uh, and you you want somebody to do like to make over over a half, a, over one and a half threes, right? Like the difference between one and a half and two and a half is significant. You're literally, you're basically asking them to do 33% more or 50% more, um, no, 33% more than the performance before, right? 50%, 30%, whatever. You guys get the point that I'm making. So that's significant. That's where the number matters. When you're talking about a game, especially basketball, where these teams are going to score like 215 points, the difference of that half is fairly insignificant 
relative to the value you're getting on the plus number. Like the way you have to think about it is if one number is plus 100 and it's 50% and the next hook, so like the minus instead of it instead of it being like let's say, let's call it a total instead of it being over under 200 it's over under 200.5 and that's plus 100 for the over and then over 200 is minus 125 are you going to end at that exact point the exact number like the, at 200 exactly 5 0.6% of the time. No, you're just, you're not. It's just, that's not going to happen. So that's why you're better off taking the better price here. When we talk about player props though, it's really different because they can't move them in the same way, right? So like, let's talk about somebody's rebounding prop. Like, let's talk about, um, I don't know. Like, let's talk about, Drew Holiday, right? So like Drew Holiday's rebounding probably set like five and a half, six and a half sometimes, right? You can't really move it too much because he kind of lands on the same numbers like all the time. Like a standard deviation for him is not that far off. But when he's, when you change the line itself, it's changing the hit rate dramatically. So you might go for, from say 60% on one to 30% on the other. So then people are going to start hammering the under. So the only way that you can kind of, the books can kind of do this is they start moving the juice. A lot of times they'll give us a prop where you say like, oh, this is a good prop. Like I like this line. He's cleared this line in eight of his last 10 games. The problem is, though, if they move the juice to a point where, like, they're not going to do this, but, like, if they move the juice to, like, minus 450, you're actually, even though he's hitting this, I'm using that for an example here, but, like, even if he's hitting this, you're not really getting value because the implied odds of minus 450 is 81.8%. So you have to be careful with the juice here and understand that, when a prop gets hammered, sometimes it's better if you can just find an alternate line at a better number that also seems to hit as long as it correlates with the ca the original cap than it is chasing the bad number, the quote unquote bad number at like a significantly juiced spot. So like you really need to think about the math and what the numbers mean and what the probability means behind the money line price in order to make the best decisions for your bankroll and for your bets moving forward. A little bit of quick hockey talk. I know that producer Corey is not here, but producer Corey left a message for us and he said, shout out to Timo Maher, Maher joining the Devils. And we re he recommends taking a future on them to take it all if the money is right. But he would also like to remind the listeners that he told everybody to bet on the New Jersey Devils back in September. Um, right now, you can get the Devils to win the Stanley Cup at 13 to 1. I think we have 100 to 1, thanks to producer Corey. But if you don't have it, if you don't have a bet there yet, 
Now might be a time to, you know, sprinkle a little bit. As for my recommendation, I'm going to keep it short and simple here. I got a monitor razor actually for my computer and it's really made my life a lot better. Um, it's made my monitor sit at a level that is more in line with my vision, more in line with my eyesight. And it's honestly, it's a significant upgrade and I can kind of tuck the wires underneath it. Really, really a nice, nice setup that I've got going on here for myself. And I'm very happy about it. So I would recommend getting a monitor razor and honestly, don't, don't take your dishwashers for granted. Mine broke recently. Um, I'm having some issues. It's not locking, got the maintenance request in, but don't take your dishwashers for granted. Those, those things are really incredible. So keep washing the dishes, keep checking the probability, bet on those devils and let's catch that. You're going to need a body bag. I'll break bones. You didn't know you had when I'm done. Then left of you for your friends to hold on to when they find you cold and blue tonight face down in a parking lot next time around think about what you say before you run your mouth cause you're all alone and you're nothing without your friends now you can tell the payment what you really said but I already know